Well, good morning. I'm so glad you were able to anchor yourself down and get here to church this morning. With that wind, if you're a hunter like me, you're just, my feathers are ruffled this morning. Uh, especially after the hunt I had yesterday. But anyway, that's a whole nother subject. But we're just so glad that you're here with us this morning. We prayed for Joel at the beginning of the service, if you weren't here, and uh, Pastor Josh and Lindsay. And at the end of the, at the conclusion of the service, I just want to let everybody know that uh, what we'd like to do is we're going to be taking our tithe and offering at the end. But if you would like to, when the service is concluded today, there'll be Bridget and Alice. Where are you guys at? Is anybody? Stand up, Bridget. Just wave so everybody knows who Bridget is. But I just want to make sure it's Bridget, Alice. Stand up. Stand up, Alice. And Alice, what they're going to do, they're going to be standing at the kiosk table. And Pastor Josh and Lindsay could be there anywhere from two weeks to a month. We're believing it's the early side. But uh, if you would like, I know there's many people who say, hey, we'd just like to help and we'd like to give. So what they're going to be doing is collecting. They're going to be collecting. If you want to give a, a, an offering this morning, they're going to collect that. And they're going to go to get a cash card for Josh and Lindsay during the week to be able to swipe that, to get food, to get lunch, to get supplies, whatever they need. Amen. And so if you could just do that, they'll, they'll tell you what to do. They'll direct you. And I just want to get that out of the way so you know that. I'll remind you at the conclusion of the service as well. It's just better to have a cash card. and You can just swipe it. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And uh, so if you, have a, if you have a desire to help in any way, that's a way that you can help them. Amen? And so uh, if you would like, we just know that it's going to be the surgery is scheduled to be on Thursday. We don't know the time, but as the time gets closer, what we'll do is you want to call the office, uh, and what we'll do is when we find the time, you can call, or we'll post it on. We'll post it for you, and you'll be able to find out what time, what date. Because I know there's, I know our intercessors are just saying, you know, Pastor, we want to pray, we want to know, and the church would be open if you want to come and pray here at the church for them during the surgery time. And we would we just appreciate you praying. How many of you know God answers prayer? Amen. God hears prayer. Yes. God's not silent. He's not dead. He's alive and he hears our prayers. And we're not begging God. We're just asking God that he would have grace and mercy in this whole situation. Amen? Amen. So this morning, I'm so excited. We've been going through the book of Daniel. We've actually been doing a book study. And we're just welcome back to the fifth part. And we've been talking about what a culture shift looks like. We know that even our country, how many know we're in a culture shift? And, uh, you know, we're studying the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel is, is a prophetic book. There's different kinds of books in the Bible. There's minor prophets and there's major prophets. Daniel is a major prophet. And what happens, that means they're just longer. You know what I mean? And so the stories in the book give us life lessons and living up. Living in the last days. How I many of you know that we are living in the last days? If you don't believe that you're living it, you go, people, go, people all the time go, Pastor, are we in the last days? My, question, my answer is always that you're living in your last days. That's all I got to know. And so, you know, next week we're going to finish a series with dreams and visions Daniel had about the last days. It's going to be a great conclusion. We're going to talk about the Antichrist and the last days. So I encourage you to be here. We're going to end it with a big conclusion and a big bang. Amen? And so uh, the big question we're asking in this series, this, uh, this, whole, this whole time, is how do we live a godly life in an ungodly culture? The first week we talked about, you know, uh, we talked about culture's greatest goal is to rename us. We know the story when Daniel and his buddies were just hanging out, drink, drinking, you know, caramel lattes and whatever they were doing. And all of a sudden the Babylonians came in their chariots after they got out of youth group and they took them away. They took them to a foreign place, a foreign language, a foreign culture, and they renamed them. And what happens is we know that, you know, but what they did, even though they renamed them, they kept their values, they kept their beliefs, even in an ungodly culture. And, you know, you can't, you know, and it's, I don't know if you notice it, but I, I, I just saw recently the state of Washington, and I love the state of Washington because that's where my wife was raised, but they do, they do have some loony things that happen over there too sometimes, but not her. But the state of Washington just has adopted a, ge a gender neutral language. I don't know if you saw it, but they just said they banned the word penmanship because it has the name man in it. Penmanship. And, and you just go, what? Because it says man. And, and what's so funny is in the article, this was funny, they said that they have a mandate that they need to do this. <laughs> so anyway, 
I don't know. Whether they try to get it out and they go, we, they have a, they're on a mandate. But anyway, I just I thought that was funny. There's so much confusion going on. And so we don't, we don't, you know, because there's so much confusion, we don't want to offend somebody, what we say or the words we use. And it's just, it's just a lot of confusion going on. How many you know what I'm talking about? And, and so you need to know who you are in the last days. Not only do who you are, you have to know your identity. And it comes from Jesus. And I, can I get a good amen on that? Your identity comes from Christ. And the second week we talked about, I'm just doing a little reviewing, it's culture's greatest test. You're going to, they're going to test you. Are you going to worship God or are you going to give in to the pressure of culture? And we know, we, you know, when, as the young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before, and they said, we're not going to bow, and they threw them in the fire, and we know that, that God was there with them, and we know that the world is telling us what to bow down to. They're telling us we can't bow down to our God, but they want us to bow down to their things that they're trying to put on us. Amen? And it's, let me just, I'm an American, I love my country, but I don't stand for America, I stand for the kingdom of God. Amen. Does that make sense? All right, I just want to make sure. I'm a patriot, all right? I mean, I'll go to war for my country and all that stuff. But the third week, let me just go, culture's greatest sin. Nebuchadnezzar, we know that, we know that the sin of Nebuchadnezzar, that he thought, that he, thought he was man, he became, what happened, he, he began to allow pride. Remember, he said, I'm the greatest. Everything I have. And he didn't know, but that next day, he'd be, his, his, he, he, would be, he was just intoxicated with pride. How many of you see in our culture people that are just intoxicated with pride? And what happens is, you know, the best thing you can do is walk humbly and follow God's word. Amen? I believe there's one word of the insanity going on in our culture today, and it's the word pride. That we think we are smarter than God, and we think we know better than God knows. Amen? And so, and then last week we talked about culture's greatest culprit. It's, it's how we spend our time in order. If we don't spend our time in the right and proper way, we don't use our time, we don't use rest and the ability to take God's Sabbath, that sometimes we can become weary. And when we become weary because we live in such a fast-paced society, we begin to make decisions that aren't really clear thinking. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we give into that pressure and we make decisions. How many of you know it's not good to make a decision when you're tired and spent? You know, and so, so it's being blind to the first three and realizing, hey, and so today we're going to talk about culture's greatest need. Culture's great. What's culture's greatest need? Yeah, let me give you the, let, let me just say what it is. What, what is the solution to culture's greatest need? Can I tell you what it is? It's you. You're the greatest solution the, the culture's greatest need is you. What do you mean? God always intended you to be the most attractive thing in the world. Amen. Us. You go, man, I didn't know. How many of you know God intended you to be attractive? And it's not what you look like in the mirror. There's something inside of you that would be something so attractive that the world's got to go, i got to have me some of that. You see, I believe this is that God intended for you to, to possess a quality that the world wants. And the world runs to you and says, help us. Can you help me? Have you ever, you have the words of life. Help us. How do we, how do we have what you have? I want, I want what you have. Can I have some of that? It happened in Daniel's own life. And see, what I want to do is I want to talk to you. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. As I read and wipe my glasses off because I can't see anymore. After you turn 30. But anyway, just. Hey, what y'all laughing at over there? All right. Chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius. Now, this is the third king in Daniel's reign. Remember, Dan, the book of Daniel was written between the ages when Daniel was 15 to 90. He went through five different kings. This is the third king. This is Darius. Now, Darius is from not the Babylonian kingdom, but he's from Persia, which means the Babylonian period, Babylon, Babylon was the, where Iraq is. What happened is Iran invaded where, what, it, what you would be considered Iraq, and the, the Persians are actually the, the country of Iran, okay? So they had invaded and taken over, and it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, which satraps means governors. They're, 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 they're responsible to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. 
one of whom was Daniel. Daniel was not, not, not just one of them. He wasn't one of them. He was, he was in charge of the, king, of the kingdom and wasn't a Persian, but he was Jewish. So he was different than everybody else. But Darius knew there was something in his life that he wanted him to be one of the top guys in his, in his hierarchy. You understand? He saw something, a quality in Daniel's life. He said, man, I, this guy's got to be in charge. And so let's go on the read. Y'all with me? So the satraps, what happened is that they were, they were made accountable to, to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Let me just stop there. As long as Daniel was in the administration, the king never suffered loss. Okay? And see, now Daniel was so distinguished. Underline that. Daniel so distinguished himself among the men. I mean, he was distinguished. They said, there's just something different. There's just something different. Among the administrators and the serfs, by his exceptional qualities. That's what we're going to talk about today. Exceptional qualities. Daniel possessed, except that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. If Daniel was going to have influence, he knew he couldn't look like influence. Okay? He knew that you can't reflect the culture. You have to set the culture. In other words, God doesn't want you and I to be like dead fish floating downstream. He wants us to be like live fish swimming against the current of culture. Okay, y'all with me this morning. We're going to the travel channel, but okay, y'all quiet. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned. Okay, help me out sometimes, right? You can't make a difference unless you're different. But if you're the same, you can't change anything. See, sameness begets lameness, and lameness begets tameness, and tameness begets laziness. You see, God's hope for culture is you. And so what happens? He doesn't have a plan B. You're it. You're it. You need to know that today, that you're it. You don't, listen, I believe this. You don't ha- if you don't have character and integrity, you're not going to be in charge of anything. And character has to be developed it just doesn't come on you. And see, what happens is you're God's ambassadors. You're God's represent, representatives. What does that mean? We're making God's appeal to the world. I'm a representative, not because I'm Pastor Baba. I'm a representative. I'm an ambassador of a kingdom that's coming. And it's coming for people that God wants to rescue. And what you and I are supposed to do if we're representatives and if we're ambassadors, we're supposed to proclaim what's coming. That we represent a different kingdom. We represent somewhere where we're going to spend eternity. We're just walking through this place. It's just a, it's just a, it's a vapor. It's, it's quick. The Bible says a day, to the, a, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years. That means Jesus died three, year, three days ago. That it's fresh on God's heart. And he wants us to have a heart for him. And when you represent something, you know what's going on. And that's why you need to fill yourself with truth. You need to fill yourself with the word of God. That's why you need to feed yourself in God's presence. That's why it's so important when we worship this morning that you have an enema of your brain. Praise does that. It cleans you up. See, I... I, can I just say, I used to go to dead churches. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You couldn't tell if it was, I mean, you saw Pastor Popsicle standing up. He was so cold. Okay, Pastor Disaster, all right? And what happens is you couldn't tell if it was a funeral home or a church. Because people just, and no one raised their hands because no one had a question. And much less two questions at one time. But see, God's coming back for people that are vibrant, that are alive, that understand the culture, understand that no matter what comes our way, you know what? That we, have a, we, we need a backbone like a crowbar when the winds of adversity stand. We just stand. And sometimes you don't even know what you're standing there for, but you stand. Wow. Verse 3. At this, the administrators and the seraphs tried to find grounds to charge against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Isn't that awesome? They were trying, what's going on? They, they could find no corruption in him because he was, I love this, he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor neglected. 
Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. This is a dream that I have for us as a church. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, this is how God wants to change the world. When people look and they go, hey, are they corrupt? Are they? No, man, they really love God. They're doing it for all the right reasons. Their motives are pure. They're not doing it for man's sight. They're not doing it to please men. They're doing it to honor God and his kingdom. Amen? Because we're not being people pleasers. We're not trying to do it for ourselves. We're doing it for his kingdom. And see, God wants you to be in a place where you can connect with him. That's what weekend service is all about. It's just, you know what? How many of you know that you go out during the week and you, Monday morning, that's when, I mean, this isn't real life. This is just like CPR sometimes. But I believe this. I believe that you don't have to. How many of you believe in revival? Okay, I believe in revival. I pray for revival. But let me give you, let me just say this. I believe we need to walk in constant revival in our lives. Because, see, I think it's weird if you constantly need CPR. That means you're dead. You know, okay, CPR. You know, you're down. Get the thing. You know, like. And then you die and you need it again. I think you need to be walking constantly and having a revival every day before God in his presence. That you don't need that, that, that you living and walking with the life and the power of God living inside of you. Because God, you know what? God's word is active. It's working inside of me. It's working stuff out of me. And it's doing that in you. Am I scaring y'all this morning? I mean, y'all are just so quiet. Okay, I'm trying, man. I'm just, I need a handkerchief or something. God, give up. Anyway, I don't know. Thank you, Miss Jean. I knew that. I knew I was, she was waiting. God wants you to be in a place where you can be real and you can grow in faith. What does that mean? You, I mean, that means that's life groups. That's what life groups are all about. That you can be real. You can talk to people and say, hey, this is what I really think. Man, I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with it. My son is a hellion. My, my, my husband, oh my God, y'all, let's get together. We need to pray for that knothead. He's so stubborn. He's so, he's so out of, man, pastor, my job, I don't know what's going to, I don't know, they're laying people off and I may be next. I need, you know, hey, can y'all get, let's get together. If someone goes to the hospital, that life group goes and goes, hey man, we're going to cook for them. We don't have to call the church because they're taking care of it. That's what life group's all about. It's learning to do life together. And if you're not a part of a life group, we're going to start fresh and new in January with new life groups. And I encourage you to get involved. And everybody that's involved said, yeah. all right, there you go. And so and God wants you to be in a place where you can grow. We want, you to, we want to help you discover your exceptional qualities so you can use them for the kingdom of God. You have exceptional qualities so you can serve. In this community, you can serve in the church. You can serve people. It's fine. Enough. How do you find those? Through first step, next step, and leader step in our church. We just help you that, to develop those exceptional qualities that God's already put in your life. Sometimes you need people to say, you got a gift. Man, do you realize? I didn't know I had that. You got a gift. Use it for God's kingdom. God wants to use that in your life. And so this morning... Let me just, I want to talk to you about having those exceptional qualities, okay? And the way I've got to do that, let me just, I've got to tell you real quick, okay? And so, uh, let me just, I want to teach you for three minutes. Can you give me three minutes to teach you something? It's going to be heavy, and it's going to be deep. But when I'm done with that three minutes, I'm going to get very practical, and it's going to get very real. Is that all right? Okay, so put on your seatbelt, hold on, I'm going deep, and I'm going heavy, and that's hard for Pastor Bubba sometimes, because you know me, I'm a storyteller, I mean, you know, just to teach is not my greatest gift, Pastor Josh, Pastor Zach are good teachers, amen, I'm just a good storyteller, and I try to ha tell you how to practically live it, all right, so this morning, I'm going somewhere, so let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, and verse 17 and 18, now the Lord is the Spirit. Okay, let me just say, a spirit, that means breath, that means energy, that means force. God has the ability to change things. How many of you believe that? Amen. Okay. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, you need to circle that, we, that's you, that's me, and we who 
with unveiled faces. That means direct connection. All that means you're having a connection. You're having a direct connection to God. That's all that means. Okay? All reflect the Lord's glory and being transformed. That means we're in the process every day being changed every day. Every day. Every day. How many of you have to ask for forgiveness for the same thing sometimes all the time? God's doing a process. How many of you, you walk through different things and you get victory for a few weeks, months, and a year, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I thought I was over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. There's a process. But see, when you were living in the world, you never allowed the process to take place. If you wanted to be mean, you just got mean and nasty. You just, it didn't bother you. You said, well, and people would go, oh, that's that Irish in me. That's that Cajun in me. Oh, that's, a, that's on the other side of the Nepakate spirit. Whatever side you're born on, anyway. <laughs> oh, you, you wanted them. You wanted them LeBlancs. We know what them. Oh, yeah, they were bad. You see, what happens is, uh, I don't want to get too far off of this. It's like the transfer, it's into the likeness with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That means the Spirit of God is working on the inside of us. We can't see it all the time, but God is like getting his, his power tools. And he's going in there and going, man, we need to adjust this. We need to do this. We need to, you know, it's, it's funny. When you get around guys and they go fishing or they're hunting, they're always adjusting things. They're always figuring out something new, something different they can do. Don't worry, the rain's coming, but the rain of God wants to come and do it over. All right, so. And so what happens is, uh, let's go on. I want to. So we're supposed to have God's power, and we give it to other people. Amen. That's what we have it, and we just go, "Hey, Jesus, said, you know, what, you know what I have, I give it unto you." I remember when the guys, hey, when Peter and, and John were there, hey, whatever I got, I just give it to you. Come on, rise and be healed. And he rose, was healed. You know, we're going through a process where every day we're looking more and more like Jesus. The more we look like Jesus, the more, we'll, the, more the world will want what we have. Here's the question. Are you allowing the process to take place? Are you allowing the process to have an effect in your life? Processes aren't fun. Amen? Sometimes they don't feel good. Sometimes they don't feel, they don't just make you have just tingly, good, back-chilling feelings. Sometimes the process is hard. Sometimes it makes you cry. Sometimes it makes you frustrated. Sometimes you talk to yourself. Sometimes you, you fuss at yourself. You ever do that? Well, when am I going to get this? Man! Okay, y'all pray for me. I do that all the time. And when I wake up in the morning, I hear thousands of voices every day. My pastor hears voices. I don't know about you. I hear voices every day. Voices not to do what I know that I need to do. Because guess what? The old Bubba tries to come up every once in a while. And sometimes I got to crucify him all over. But I can't do it by myself. Because if I try to crucify me, I still got one free hand with a hammer in it. And the reality is, I got to give that hammer to God and say, God, let your will be crossed. Let my will be crossed by your will. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be snappy. I don't want to be edgy. I don't want to say things that don't need to be said. I don't want to get frustrated when I watch Fox News and I don't watch it for months. I don't like what I see on TV sometimes. So sometimes the best thing, last night I was so frustrated with LSU, I turned it off. Some of y'all should have. No, I'm serious. My wife goes, where are you going? I'm going to bed. I'm going to get depressed and watch something else. I don't want to watch these guys. Because see, sometimes that's how people are. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we do. We don't have any plays. I, was, I went to watch my son's basketball team, and the coach is fussing at them. And at the end of the game, I mean, they all think they're three-point shooters. Okay, they're shooting. And I'm going, what's going on? Run a play. And at the end of the game, I go, I mean, I'm, I, the coach is fussing, but he hadn't practiced with them. He hadn't told them what to do. And I asked Luke, I said, Luke, do y'all have any plays? He goes, we got one. He goes, but we didn't even use it. I thought, man, that's how some churches are. They have no direction. They don't know what to do. We're going to three-point it for Jesus. 
It's true. And that's why you need people that have authority, people that can show you, tell you, give you direction. Listen, all we try to do here as a pastor is we're just trying to lead you right back to Jesus. Here's some things you can do. Here's some truths. This is some of our DNA, what God has called us to do, and who we are going to be a reflection of God's hands and his feet and his mouthpiece and serve the community. And that's what we're going to be. And if you want to have that in your life, here's some things we have. First step, next step, connections, life groups, and we will do outreaches. That's what it's all about. And so, let me go on. I'm past my three minutes. Here's the heavy part. The more we look like Jesus, the more the world wants what we have. Here's the heavy part. John sees the throne of God, okay? And hang with me and we'll get, we'll get real practical after this. In the center around the throne were three living creatures. I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. I, mine has four, but I don't know why I said three. It's when you turn over 30, just something happens. Where we're, we're four living creatures were covered, uh, they were covered with eyes in front and in the back. And the living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox and had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. It was one creature with four faces. Okay. It gives us an image what God kind of looks like. The goal here, see, I believe even what happens is, is it most scholars believe it's how God looked like. That's what God kind of looks like. In other words, something, the four faces correlate with the four gospels. Okay? But I believe there's five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most people don't read those, but you're the fifth gospel. Most people will read you. And so what happens is it gives us an image of what God looks like. My theory is why, why don't we find out what these faces are all about and look at the faces and, and see what they really mean. And so Ezekiel saw the same faces. Let me just show you one more time, then I'm going to get real practical. Ezekiel in chapter 1 verse 10 says the face in 28, the faces look like these. Each of the four had the face of a human being. On the right side, each had a face of a lion. In the left, of the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. But here's what he, he went on to say further that what you don't see in Revelation. John didn't say, but Ezekiel says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So I'm thinking this, okay, here's my theory. Okay, can I just give you my theory? Is that all right? Okay, you can take the meat and throw away the bone, Okay. Here's my theory. My theory is if these are the four, if these are the four that represent as a representation of God, I wonder if I looked like them, if it wouldn't help me to reflect who he is. Are you with me? I know this is heavy. And to be the person God can use to change the world. You see, I believe this. I think Daniel had these four exceptional qualities in his life. That's what he was so, what made him so attractive. Let let me just be practical and let's go to the practical. So I I can see some of you kind of going, poor facing, what's going on with that? Okay, number one. Here's the four. Number one, the ox is the face of the servant. Oxen, we know that oxes carry things, they plow things. Come on. They use them, they use oxes for sacrifice, for forgiveness of sin. We know that Jesus said, you know, he's a servant. He says, for, in Mark chapter 10, I believe in 44, 45, I think it's 40, verse 4, for even, even I, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus came as a servant. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. You see, uh, you know, Daniel was the constant servant. The way, the way to God's heart is not screaming all of that, but serving people. Listen, this is, let me, let me give you a couple of examples. I grew up, and I, I used to do street preaching, and I'd be on college campus, and I've seen people use some liners, man. I mean, I had one one time, go, hey, girl, you look so bad. You, girl, you look like you got a home, a adulterous spirit on. You look so bad, you look like you got a mattress strapped around your back. Now, is that going to bring someone to Jesus? You cigarette-sucking sinners. I mean, I've heard all that. 
Turn or burn. Did that help anybody? Okay, I'm going to get it. I could go on, but I'm not. All right. Serving means you first. You, not me. You first. Why is serving so important? Because you know what? It's not human nature to serve. We want to be served. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know this. You never know your servant till you're treated like one. You never know your servant till you're treated like a servant. You never know if you have that heart to serve. That's why we spend a lot of the portion of our tithe and our offering to serve our city, to meet needs. So we can share Christ with them. Why do we do outreaches? We have a motive. We have a hidden agenda in our toolbox. We want to share Christ. We want to share Jesus. We want them to know the heart of God. We we want them to meet the one that set us free. Amen? Amen? See, all serving outreaches are an opportunity to share about the hope of Jesus with people. You know, taking Christmas, we're doing Christmas outreaches. We're going to serve in the Jennings Living Center. We're going to bless them. We're going to cook for Jennings Elementary. We're going to bless Ward Elementary. They've been after us. Y'all bless the high school and the elementary, but y'all never done anything for us. So we're going to bless them. Okay? And not only that, we're going to do that. We're going to do some block parties. And some of the families that are in need in our church, we're going to try to help them like we do every Christmas. You understand? So there's things. How do we do? Why do we do that? Because it gives us an opportunity. You know, why would we go to the living center? Because those people may be at the end of their life and they need to see the hand and the love of God and people that really care for them because they might split eternity without God. And it's our opportunity at that very moment just to be, go there with the hands of love and the hands of care and tenderness and say, hey man, why? And they go, why are you doing this? Because Jesus. He changed my life. That was bad. You were bad, honey? Oh, yeah. I used to do, what? You? Yeah. God helped me through this. God delivered me, and someone prayed for me, and they look at you and go, can you pray for me? I remember we went around the town one time just knocking on doors and saying, and one lady goes, and they say, look, we're, not, we're here, we're not, first of all, I'm not a Jehovah Witness. <laughs> Second, I do witness for Jehovah, God, but anyway. But we're just here to pray for you. Can we, you have anything we can pray for? I remember a sweet old lady, she pulls out, she pulls out, she looks at her purse, she goes, honey, I ain't got enough money to give you to pray for me. I thought, what? She goes, yeah, they have people come around sometimes, and you give them a little bit, and they pray for you. You know, the sad thing is there are people now in churches that are paying people to prophesy over them. stupid. Can I just make a statement? It's stupid. People just want to know. See, that's the face of God when you serve people. That's why Jesus came to serve people. You get to be the face of Jesus. The second, I'm going quickly. I want to be practical. Does it sound practical? The man, it's the face of love. People are wanting, people aren't wanting a doctrinal debate. I've never known anybody get saved because you want an argument in a debate. Well, you need to do this, and you need to do that. Can I just tell you something? I've never won anybody to the Lord by debating them. Can I just be honest with you? I've worked in inner cities. I've lived in in Salvation Army homes, kitchen places, lived in other countries, done different things. I've never won anybody by a debate, okay? But I've learned this. What people, people don't care what you know. They just want to know if you care. Because let me tell you something, head knowledge is dead knowledge for you intellectuals. People want a demonstration of love. God's love is the greatest force in the universe. His love. You know, our responsibility as being Christians is to love God and love people. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Just love God, love people. I, I mean, 
When I think about loving people, I, I mean, I've served the Lord almost, it'll be 35 years in May. Okay? Before that, I didn't do anything consistent for two days before I met the Lord. But I can tell you this. I've seen when I've gone and done things on purpose for the kingdom of God, just with the mission to go love people and see what God does and how it's amazing. It's just amazing. I could tell you story after story of people. I remember meeting a lady in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, doing an outreach. And she, she was living with a guy. And she confessed. And she goes, and I was just loving on her, just telling her. And we were out in the corner of the street. And she goes, and she looked at me. She started crying. She goes, this Jesus that you're telling me about, I want to meet him right now. And I said, if you want to meet him right now, let's get on the corner. And people are walking by on the street. And let's pray. Let's kneel down and ask Jesus in your heart. We got down on the corner of a block. And she started saying, oh, Jesus. She's crying. People are walking by. And she gave her heart to Jesus. I remember coming here to the city. You know, I think God prepared me doing inner city work for almost 10 years. Coming to Jennings. Because can I tell you about our community? It's a great community, but it's a very fragmented community. With a serial killer, 46 churches in a town with 10,000 people in it. That's a split of a sliver of a, sli- of a hair, of a mat, of a what, what, you know, you just go down. And, and it's like you see. And you go, it's like someone took a piece of glass and just went, and it just shattered. And that's how people's lives are. Just shattered. And God's called us to love people. It's kind of like trying to get all the pieces on the puzzle. How many of you have ever done a jigsaw puzzle? I like the ones with eight pieces, okay? (laughs) And you're putting that together. Only God can take a fragmented life. And if you love them, God can put the pieces back together. Amen? You see, John... Chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Are y'all with me? He said, the new command I give you, love one another. It's not a new command. It was just Jesus was reminding them because they weren't living that command. Okay? It wasn't a new command. He's just saying, hey, let me give you a new, guys, let me remind you while we're all here. Love one another as I've loved you. So, So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I want you to live. Look, can I just say something? Look at me. Look at me. I want to tell you this. I want to live more verses in my life than I quote. Because I know a lot of people that quote verses and can speak in tongues, but they're meaner than a hornet. And they have no love in their heart. I want to live the verses that are God has spoken to me to live out. Amen? When someone looks at you or me and they go, I don't know. Oh, what about, but man, they love people. If you want to change the world, you got to serve people and love people. Take on the face of a man and love people. The third thing, let me go quickly because I need to get the eagle. It's the face of respect. It's honor. It's impressive. It's it's excellent. You You ever seen a bald eagle in the wild? Huh? Anybody? I, one day I was driving. I was going down to, uh, where were we? We were between Evangeline and, um, and Iota, okay? We're driving up the road on 97, and all of a sudden I see this full-on eagle, man. It's just, eagles are bad. I mean, it's just, it's just flying. And I'm like, I'm going, hey, hey! And I'm telling them, Luke, Livy, Tracy, there's an eagle! And they're going, my wife's going, Drive. You know, keep your head, keep your eyes on the road. And we're all looking. And then it's like, and you see this, this eagle, all of a sudden it hits something. And it gets a rabbit, man. It goes, and it don't just sit there and just go, and it goes, I'm bad. And it just flies around in the air with this big old rabbit. I'm like, dang, that's so cool. I remember when Tracy and I, we went to J.H. Ranch and we were going down the Klamath River, whitewater rafting, and all of a sudden this eagle just comes out of the trees and he's just like, just one, I like, you just go, hey, you just kind of scream, the eagle gets off the, 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 the tree and he just goes, he didn't even do this. 
He just goes, watch me, I'm bad. It's impressive. It's impressive. One of the faces of God is an impressive eagle. Our lives, our marriages, our families should be so impressive to the world that people go around going, wow, look at them. They're not like us. Man, that marriage, that guy loves his wife. He's nice to her. God's giving sound effects right now. Are you listening? Surround sound. That's impressive. What a, man, look at, look at the way they just do, you know, when you go to work, let me just say something. You should be impressive. You should show up before work and you should maybe be the last one to leave work. And can I tell you something? God wants to develop in all of us the qualities for all of us. It's called the wow factor. Wow. I, you know, look at Jesus and Mark, what they said about Jesus. Mark in 7, chapter 37, I'm just getting excited. I love God and I love his word and I'm just having a good time right now. I'd like to keep you for another hour, but I'm not. Who give me five minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I'm not going to know, I'm just People were, were overwhelmed, look what it says, with amazement. They were going, Wow. Look at that. He, he has nothing. He has done everything well, they said. It was the wow fact. Wow. Look at that. Oh. Look at that. Wow. You know what? When you really truly commit yourself to Jesus, people will go, wow. I remember when they, whew, wow. Look what God did. They were a nerd. But look, God, wow! Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. I'm coming to the end. You are the salt of the earth. Hey, church, can I tell you something? That's what you are. You're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. He says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can we be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. Hey, church, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And look, a city, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a, a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The same way. Let your, oh, wait, wait, stop right there, underline. Your light. He's not saying, God, your light. Let your light, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. Everywhere we go, we should make things better. Amen? Everywhere we go, we should make things better. How are we going to change the world? How are we going to change the world like Jesus and Daniel did? You serve, you love, you be respectful, you live your lives in an impressive way. Here's the last one, and then I'm done. The lion. It's the face of boldness. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? You don't be mean, you don't be rude, you don't be obnoxious. I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm saying. The church can't be silent. The world wants you to be quiet and stay out of culture. But God wants you to serve. He wants you to love. And he wants you to be impressive. And he wants you to be bold. You know, because can I just tell you something? We have some churches in America, they don't want you to get out and do anything bold. You just sit in your pew or your seat and you just go, you just go, okay, be nice, pastor. Don't challenge me, pastor. We're just going to come to church and we're going to just love God. And we hope that people can go to heaven. But they don't get out of their seat or their pew or their blessed assurance. And go, hey. I love what Proverbs, I'm going to speak a little loud. Is that okay? Can you hear me back there? All right. Proverbs, see, 
I'll just say this is, that's what happens in America. But let me just say this. You can't, you got to have the first three before you can be this. You got to have the heart to serve people. You got to have a heart of love. You got to be impressive. You got to have respect in order to be bold. I love Proverbs 28.1. It says, what does it say? The righteous are bold as a lion. Be bold, not rude. Know what you believe and speak the truth. That's what Daniel did. He didn't go around, hey, you, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, yo, bat, yo, billy goat, you, yo. You know what I mean? He didn't do that. They called him up. And they say, hey, we need a word from you. I mean, we're going to give you this. I don't want your gifts. If you want the word from God, I'll give you the word, but I don't want your stuff. Here it is. Because I believe this. God never sends a messenger with an empty envelope. When you're God's messenger, you might not know what you're going to say. You might not know what you're going to do. You don't know how to get there. But the Spirit of God says He'll be with you and He'll give you the words to say when, you, when you're presented before men. Amen? That means that's why you need to prepare. You need to be spending time with God. You need to lock the Word in your heart. You need to be around people and love people and have a heart and care for people. Because if you're cynical and whatever you're critical, let me just say this, whatever you're critical of, you'll never reach anyway. If you're critical about race, you'll never meet. You'll never reach the opposite race. Hello? Can I just speak some truth? Can I hang out there? If you're white in this house, we're glad you're here. But if you're, if you're a black person, if you're an African American, welcome home. And if that offends you, God bless you. Because this is your house. Because my desire is that I want this house to reflect what our community looks like. Be bold. Who do people say I am? Remember? Jesus goes, who do people say I am? And Peter, you know, I love Peter. Jesus. You're the one. And remember what he said? He said, Peter, man didn't give you that, but my Father in heaven gave you that. And I love, I love even what he, he tells him, he encourages him. He said, he said, for the gates of hell. See, God, you're the rock. You're going to be the rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. When you walk with boldness, the gates of hell, the winds of adversity may come, but the gates of hell will not overcome you. Amen? How should we respond to culture? Let me give you two words, and I'm really done, I promise. Two words. Two words. How do we respond to culture, Pastor? Two words. Grace and truth. I believe this. Grace always precedes truth. Grace. God gives you a chance. Like, you know, grace says, we need a second chance. You know, really, grace says, I don't need a second chance. I need another chance. Truth says, the only way I can get it, get grace is when I admit that I need it. The truth is, hey, I need God's grace, but I need, I need to be truthful. You know what? I need God because I'm a wreck. I've done this. I've done that. I need God. Grace says we're all sinners. Come on. We're all sinners. Truth says sin is not okay. We need forgiveness because we're all sinners. Let me ask you, how many of you blew it this week? Come on. The rest of you that don't have your hand up, can you pray for us? Grace says neither do I condemn you. Truth says Go sin no more. Great. You know, Daniel. How about the woman? And let me just say, and I'm done. How about the woman that was caught in adultery? Remember that? Jesus said, he goes, hey, where are the guys that accused you? He said, I don't know, Lord. He said, and she was caught in the middle of adultery. He says, honey, your sins have been forgiven. She might not have felt that way. But the truth is, he said, Go and sin no more. Because when you've been forgiven of much, the Bible says you love much. You see, I believe this. Daniel was full of grace, but he never wavered about what he believed about God. First John 1.14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace, because we all need a Savior. Amen? 
I'm no less a sinner than anyone else on this planet. Can I just make it? I'm no, I'm no, <laughs> I, we all need a Savior. Truth, because it's the only thing that can set people free. Truth is what sets people free. Grace and truth. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're at a place and you say, Pastor Bubba, I'm not living a life that I think is impressive, exceptional. But after hearing this morning, I want to live that exceptional life. That I hear the voice of God. That I know God. That I obey His voice. Lord, I want to, I want to be all that you want me to be. I don't want to live a lie. I don't want to live, live to please men. I don't want to be a people pleaser. I want to be someone that pleases you and honors you with my whole heart. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Bubba, would you pray for me? I need, I, I, as you were sharing this morning, I just saw men and just, I see who I am and I'm not measuring up to what I need to be. But I thank God for His grace that He showed me that. But the truth is, I need God more in my life than I've ever needed Him before. The Bible says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. There's a time, don't deny God what He wants to do here this morning in your heart or in your life. You say, Pastor Bubba, I want to live that life that's pleasing and acceptable to God. I need His grace. I need a Savior this morning to save me from myself, my circumstances, and the things that I've lived for, I need a Savior to save me. Thank you. If that's you, just say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. Just pray. No one looking around. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. All over this place. Anyway, come on. Don't, don't be a shy. All over this place. All over this place. Look at me. Look at me. I want you everybody to look at me. Put your hand down. The truth is, all of us should be raising our hand. All of us should. Because I need God more than I needed Him yesterday. Amen? So can we just stand all over this place and lift your hands to heaven? All over this place. Hey, can we make a proclamation today? That, what a proclamation is, is a statement. Say it with me. Say it out loud with me. Over the rain. Okay? Okay. Say, say it with me. Say it. Dear God, God, I come to you this morning. I want to live an exceptional life that's pleasing and honoring to you. Forgive me for getting in the way. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you that you forgive me, that you wash me, that you cleanse me. You're not the God of a second chance. You're the God of another chance. That you free me from myself. Help me to go serve you. Serve others. Love you. Love others. Respect you. And respect others. Help me to be bold. Come on, don't get shy on me when you get bold. Say, help me to be bold. Oh, for you. For you. In Jesus' name.